0: Hello, and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches make a better business and a better world. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting to those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers, We'll find out how circular principles can create value, increase resilience and reduce risk to make a competitive, sustainable organisation. You'll find the show notes and links at www.circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and useful resources. Welcome to episode 12 and I'm recording this on Thursday the 3rd of October in very autumnal weather here in the Yorkshire Dales. I could see a squirrel in the garden this morning helping itself to the hazelnuts that I'd been looking forward to. Today we're talking to David Bersetti, co-founder of a company called 3D Seed. David was born in Australia and trained as an industrial designer. He worked for several different companies, designing a range of products, including medical equipment and consumer technology. When he moved to Spain about 10 years ago, he noticed how much plastic was being wasted and was frustrated that it became litter instead of being recycled into new materials. David was already into 3D printing and decided to develop a simple way of grinding up plastic to become a feedstock for 3D printing. He then set up small scale projects to grind up everyday plastic waste like PET soft drinks and water bottles and then to 3D print it into small objects as a way to engage people in seeing plastic waste as a valuable resource. The kit can be set up in schools, community projects and businesses and people can download designs from open source sites like Thingiverse or they can create their own designs. People are printing everything from models and jewellery to spare parts and toys. And though we know recycling into toys and gifts is not the answer to our problems with waste plastic, this is a great way to help people understand how waste can become a valuable resource and to help people develop the skills to make their own designs. 3D Seed is trying to expand into more countries and wants to link up with people who could demonstrate the technology in their local area and then help schools, communities, businesses and so on to set up their own projects. They're a small four-person team and are on the lookout for investors and business support to help them go forward. David was talking to us from an echoey room and using his laptop mic, so I'm sorry that the sound quality isn't great. I've learned a lesson about the limits of post-production editing and apologize to David as I should have suggested that we reschedule the interview. We start by asking David how he got into 3D printing with the representative wrap movement.
1: We, uh, with a friend of mine, we were basically wanting to make a lot of 3D printed parts because it's a great way to make prototypes, Um, no molds. You can do completely customized things. And we got into the representative wrap movement thanks to Adrian Bowie and Dick Oliver. Um, so then we started building our own, our own machines. After that, um, I moved to Spain and found myself doing the same menial consulting work for companies um, here that wanted things that were quite rudimentary. And I think generifies you know, usually it's twist on new technology. And then, um, you know, I continued addiction to 3d printing uh, after that 3dc was born about 2013 2014. Uh, um, since then we've been doing custom materials. um people really want some crazy stuff um, from proprietary stuff to you know things for a couple hundred dollars to completely unsafe lasers that we had to say no to more than a few times um, and as such we uh, with Got the 3D printed now down into our favourite components that we like to use in a standard build, so we can make them to any size really. Um, it is a very environmentally well it takes very little amount of energy to extrude plastic. That's mm. what I like about it. Um, currently, the systems can run on solar panels. It's easy to run an off-grid system. You know, I've only had one kid ever say to us, "Well, you know." This is going to take too long. This is the most boring thing I've ever seen. When's it going to be finished? And he only
0: had to wait four minutes for a bracelet. <laughs> so, well, I guess, um, you know, some of the things I've seen 3D printed, you're kind of thinking, well, that's going to take, you know, like a um, 3D printed road bridges and things like that. You're thinking, well, that's going to take a while. But on the other hand, all the time to design tools and molds and shuttering and all that sort of stuff to get something to exactly the mm-hmm. right spec. Whilst mm-hmm. that's unseen because it's, you know, it's all done offsite, it's still got to happen. And I think, you know, when I was first reading about 3D printing and realizing that, you know, you start with powder or pellets or liquid or whatever, so there's no waste, unlike mm-hmm. our typical subtractive way of manufacturing, where you start with a, uh, a lump of something and then knock bits off <laughs> until you get the right shape. So obviously that's better. And of yeah. course, because you're using a single material to start with, it's much easier to recycle it at the end of its life. And I think, you know, as you, I've used the examples of, um, I think it's uh, EADS in, in my book. There's a component that they use 3D printing for, you know, in an aircraft engine. And instead of being something like 27 different components, it was one piece it was lighter and it was stronger. So, you know, the, the benefits are, are amazing. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, so a whole, whole just range of different applications, you know, 3D printed houses and all sorts of um, yeah. wacky stuff being, being well, it, it seems wacky, doesn't it, from the outside, but you just never know where, how these things are gonna
1: scale out and, and develop. If I'd have told you what um, people have said over the years coming into the office, can you scan and three D print my husband's head in a stormtrooper helmet? <laughs> okay. Um, and it gets worse. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah. So I guess I guess like every, like lots of other things, then there's kind of a i was going to say a fine line but there's not really is there a <laughs> there's a gulf between um, use useful yeah. products and uh, using 3d printing for prototyping and so on uh and then uh you know toys <laughs> and uh random random bits of uh of plastic so he had the, had the idea for 3d printing and you were already using plastics and then how did you yeah, start yeah. to think about using recycled plastics? Cause that's kind of the innovative bit of what, what you're doing. So tell us a bit more about that. Yeah.
1: We, um, we were working with a company and they were selling filament, normal 3d printing filament. And we worked out what we well, found out what their cost, and they told us what their cost was to make the filament, what the sales price was, how much a pallet costs. And then we we're sitting down, um, and just discussing about whether it's easy or not to just grind up the plastic bottles and just use them. Um, Relatively easy, but um, the material that they make plastic bottles out of is really designed to be quickly injection moulded and quickly blow moulded for a fraction of a cent. Okay, so we had to design everything for that one material. Other plastics are really okay to print with, but I prefer PET because of its strength, rigidity, transparency, and um, it's got to be the main focus because plastic bottles are just horrendously. I think the last thing I read was in 2017, we're doing like a million bottles a minute. Mm. That's unbelievable now. Most countries that I heard last week, um, Ibiza here doesn't have any bottled water. Sorry, doesn't have any water on tap. So everything has to be bottled and sent
0: in the Which country was that? Sorry, you broke up a bit. Uh,
1: Ibiza, here in Spain.
0: Yeah, so everything's got to be imported in in plastic bottles. So, yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. it, it's just a, um, a massive problem and it's if you're in a, an area where there is no safe drinking water kind of in, in situ, then mm-hmm. how else are you going to get it there? So yes, yeah, it, it must be um, an issue in, in places all around the world. And and you talked about kind of having a, a bit of a wake up call when you saw the plastic on the, on the beach in, uh, yeah. in Menorca.
1: Yeah. Spending a large time part of my life as a kid, windsurfing and surfing on the beaches in Australia um, here was just amazing. I, mean, I can't believe there's so much plastic. And people were so um, lackadaisical about mm. leaving their plastic on the beach and things like that. I mean, obviously, the majority of things we buy is packaged. It has to be this food world. But um, even when it goes into the, the bin in the pristine beach, Uh, that bin will be wrapped up, thrown into a a garbage bin and then thrown into another bin. It's not separated. It's left to the recyclers to separate, which is, I think, the major problem. Transport and separation. As soon as you include both those things, recycling plastic is always going to be more expensive than buying virgin grade.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you kind of had this idea of reusing PET from the plastic bottles. Oh, uh, yeah. And then that kind of bin... Just a five minute problem to solve, I guess.
1: <laughs> no. Um, the, um, there's some really cool things about PET. It's, it's really quick to form. It's beautiful uh, in its transparency. It's completely abundant. It costs nothing. Um, but for when we worked out that we wanted to 3D print with it, the, the sheer luck, I think, of the project was that we found that PET having a, a very quick heating and cooling temperature. Uh, If you leave it too long at heat, it'll degrade it'll go white. So we found out that the faster you could get it out, um, it didn't actually require as much cooling as a lower grade plastic would need. So it's actually fantastic to 3D print. I think the majority of the 3D printing industry um, and Joseph Pusser, is only printing his parts in PET. So polyethylene terephthalate is a great material. Uh, it does contain petroleum, which is a bit of a nightmare, but it is fantastic to recycle, and I believe that's why it's number one on, res- on the list of recycling materials.
0: Mm. So you decided to try and develop it into a form that meant you could u- reuse it as a material?
1: Yeah, yeah, already uh, more... Here in Spain, um, has been able to extrude it using pellets. There are other companies that it will extrude it in the pellets. Um, but, you know, more and I wanted to get to the point where we could basically grind a bottle and, and throw it in the 3D printer. Mm. The, the uh, cradle to the grave or the life cycle analysis of using recycled 3D printing filament is just it's terrible. Mm. It's just terrible. Um, And obviously, you know, I just read Australia's only recycling 12% of all household garbage. You know, Mm. that's that's stunning waste of plastic. So um, for us, we had to, thanks to my father saying, how are you going to try and make um, money out of something that people do for free? Uh, We had a large think about that. So we had the machine to work, it could extrude, 3D printer was easy. Um, and we had to have an incentive for people to recycle because people don't do anything without a reward. So if you give them the reward of being able to select a 3D printed part, um, they'll bring you all their plastic bottles. They'll separate it for you. They'll bring it to you without the label. They'll bring it to you clean, dry. You know, people love to do it. They love to have the ability to access this three D printer and just make something that they like. And of course, they love the fact that they can give it to their kids. Kids can break it. They can bring the parts back, give it to us. We'll do the same thing again mm. with absolutely no degradation in the plastic. So, is this
0: the model then that if people want you to pre three D print something, mm-hmm. then they have to bring their own raw materials? That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And it, and mm-hmm. I guess it starts to. It, you know, it can really help people think more about what goes into every product. If you're suddenly having, you know, if, if you want whatever it is, a bracelet or something, and then that's, I don't know, 10, 20 used water bottles, that really starts to make you think about how much resource actually goes into making relatively simple things.
1: We have the example of a person that wanted, to, wanted us to print something for him and he was sitting on his mat outside where we were doing the the contract with uh, the day Council here for the North of Barcelona, and um, he was obviously poor. He was selling everything he collected on a map he was sitting on. And so we gave him a bracelet, and he went out and he sold it for a euro. So when we saw that, we thought, wow, you know, this is really taking on a whole new element because if people can collect the plastic and you can just simply give them the, the 3D printer as a machine and a grinder and a guy there to press mm-hmm. print, who knows what to print out of it, um, you can fix a lot of problems. You can clean up a lot of things and people would simply and cleanly understand that you can use plastic again and again. Mm-hmm. That's fine to use it. Just don't throw it into normal recycling. Mm-hmm. Give it to somebody who can grind it down and give it back to you because... You know, and walk to them, hopefully.
0: Don't yeah. Try. yeah. So, what, what kind of useful things have people
1: made? Uh, now, useful, useful. Um, the majority of things we've made for people have been fast. Okay. The, the six minute bracelets, um, little tiny cups, uh, watering cans, all stuff that people will think of, or because most people can't design in 3D. Uh, they'll download it off this fabulous website called Thingiverse. So, as we don't sell anything that we print, uh, we give people the ability to just open up Thingiverse and ask us to print it. Obviously, some things take longer than others, but the majority of people are simply, it's not about what they want, it's about them seeing that the process is so simple mm. and within 10 minutes they've got the part there. Mm. You know, the, the scaling up, the large machines, all that sort of stuff can be done later. Mm. Um, my fabulous sister told me, you know, you're crazy to make big machines and do lots of plastic. She said you should make smaller machines and get them out to the people because yeah. they're the ones that are sitting here waiting for the government to do something. And it's happened for the last four years. Yeah, exactly.
0: Ago. Yeah. Um, when I was writing, I, I wrote a couple of papers on 3D printing a few years ago from a supply chain perspective and i think it's uh ups and amazon a few years ago uh, were both equipping vans with 3d printers and uh, and staples as well i think but this concept of the local 3d print shop where you know if, if something's broken you could take the part and get a new one 3d printed i still think that's that's got legs um as an mm. idea and and i think it also helps people to think you know to think more about being creative with stuff as well I think if, mm-hmm. if we're all a bit more involved in in design instead of just waiting to be told what we should be buying then that kind of uh, reclaims a, a bit of citizen power in a way
1: yeah uh, that's coming the, the schools are getting into this uh, quite a lot uh, the last school I talked to a big one here in Barcelona um, uh, in fact I had one of the kids in here, I said about Fablet a couple of years ago, um, the headmaster is absolutely amazed that we can have a system to recycle their 600 plastic water bottles they sell every day from their canteen. And they've got places that you can go and drink your water out of the bubble. But he said the kids just keep on. So he said once they see that they can get their bottle, they'll do the separating and the school will... Basically, be showing how the circular economy can run within one school. Um, it's a lot easier than doing it out in the public, which we've done prior. Mm. You know? So I think that the schools will learn to design in
0: 3D. First. Yeah, which is also um, helping people learn design skills, isn't it? Which is mm-hmm. a you know um, mm-hmm. a really useful thing, and, and particularly designing in. 3D, as you say, it's not it's not as easy as you might as you might think.
1: Well, the, the, the next child that, that comes up in, into my space that says, "Hi, can you just print me this Yoda head?" I'll be happy to do it because I'm printing it out of recycled material. <laughs> but there was a time a while ago when I would say, "No, no, I'm yeah. sorry, I can't do that because it's a complete waste of time, energy, and I'm sorry, I can't do it." So that's the other solution. You know, it's great that people want to print all this sort of stuff, but if you're doing 50 prototypes for a project, you should have the ability to recycle that material Mm. and make another 50 prototypes for the next project. Yeah. It works for, well, there's hundreds of applications. We've talked to um, exhibition companies and and they want to print all the furniture for one exhibition and then when it's finished, grind it back down, design a new exhibition for another client. Mm with the same material.
0: Yeah. That- yeah. So you kind of got things going around in the in the endless loop, which is exactly the point of the circular economy.
1: And if it all stays in the one place, then it's much better.
0: So in terms of your plans for the future, um, you know, how, how do you see this um moving forward?
1: Um I see at the moment a ton of work. We're a very small company. Uh we're looking to scale this up a lot faster. And what we're doing, this organic growth is okay, but it's slow. It's now September and we've had it working since June last year. We really need um, support from not only financial, but business and global um, infrastructure, marketing, and that sort of thing to build it. We we now know that it's a working prototype and it's fine and I can send them out to wherever, but we simply can't fly the three or four of us over to an island for a few weeks because then everything else sort of slows up we need teams in each country. We need representatives um, who are willing to to just show people that it works. Mm. Once they show people it works, then, you know, it's an absolute no-brainer.
0: Okay, so if anybody's listening that, thinks it's a great idea then how could they get in touch with you to follow up on it
1: uh, just my email i think david at 3d minus sign seed dot com um or i'm on linkedin uh with, have a look at our youtube channel i think that's got all the videos showing what we've done and um what else is there we and all those sorts of things all the normal social media We've got a Facebook
0: page for some. Okay, so we'll put all those links in the show notes as well.
1: Thanks. Um, so people can
0: look those up and get in touch with you if they've got good ideas, or even better, some funding and useful partners for you to work with, to hopefully scale it up and get people thinking differently about plastic bottles and how to turn them into, or how to how to keep them in the economy instead of them ending up in. Landfill, oceans, and all the other places that we don't want to see them,
1: exactly.
0: wrecking our planet and, and living systems and all the rest of it. So brilliant, yeah. thank
1: you. Look, I was just going to say quickly that the biggest effort would be, the biggest thing would be if people store it as something that was valuable, mm. precious plastics as really yeah. well. And if people can simply go somewhere and make something else, it's the best thing for, best thing for if you know, because the environment's going to be there for another like fifty thousand years.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I think um, you know that's that's a good point that plastics, another one of the things that in in the same kind of um, category as food and fashion mm-hmm. and textiles that over the last twenty twenty years in particular have just been seen as something that's cheap and disposable, and that's what we need exactly. to turn around really, so that we're starting to see everything as something precious something produced from finite resources that we need to look after and find find ways to get the most out of it and ideally you know use it again so that um you know to use the circular economy terminology all waste should be food either for another industrial process or for nature yeah. Um, yeah. not something that yeah. ends up poisoning us living systems mm-hmm. and uh, and all the rest of it mm-hmm. so brilliant mm-hmm. Thank you very much, David. That was, that was great. Oh, thank you very much. And good luck with the rest of your, your projects. I'm sure there'll be lots more to come. Thanks. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? Head over to rethinkglobal.info or buy my book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, which takes you through the practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. You can get in touch via the website, rethinkglobal.info, or send us a tweet at rethink global. Please let us know what you think of the podcast, and you can help other people find it by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time.